G'day folks, welcome to episode 169 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. This week, we're going to do a bit of a shorter episode. It is the 22.10 uh, Mid-Cycle Product Roadmap Sprint this week at Canonical. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that actually later in the episode, just give you a bit of a, I guess, heads up of what that's all about and what's been going on. But it also does mean, yeah, quite busy with a lot of things there. So we will do a quick roundup of uh, the security fixes that have gone into supported Ubuntu releases in the past week, plus, yeah, some details on that. So let's just dive straight into it. This week, there were 58 unique CVEs that were addressed by the team, and up first was an update for Git. So two different CVEs here, and this is for Ubuntu releases 1804, 2004, uh, 2204, and 2110. Probably one of the last few uh, updates we will see for uh, 2110, which is now end of life. If you are running that, uh, I urge you to upgrade to 2204 long-term support. But yeah, I digress. So uh, this is, uh, well, actually a single CVE that was related to an older historic CVE uh, that we covered back in episode 157. It was actually a vulnerability in Git for Windows, uh, which at the time, though, we did patch because uh, Git uh, on Ubuntu can be used on Windows via um, WSL now. But in that case, uh, if a local user who had write access uh, to the root of, say, C drive could create a git config there that would then contain commands that would actually get used by uh, other users that were executing git if they themselves didn't have a local git config, uh, that has now been fixed. Yeah, so if you are running uh, git on Ubuntu on WSL, you're now a little bit safer there, particularly on, obviously, a machine with multiple shared users. We had an update as well for the CA certificates package for Ubuntu 16.04 extended security maintenance. I actually talked about this update back in episode 164 for our other uh, releases. So yeah, if you are on 16.04 ESM, you now have that update too. After that was a bunch of different kernel updates. And we start first with an update for uh, the AWS kernel for our 14.04 extended security maintenance customers. This is a 4.4 based kernel for 14.04 ESM users on uh, AWS. In this case, the most interesting vulnerability there was a race condition in the CAN BCM networking protocol uh, that would then result in multiple different use after freeze. Now, actually, this isn't particularly special in its own right. Lots of different kernel vulnerabilities that we see are race conditions that result in things like use after freeze that can be triggered by local users. However, in this case, uh, the fact that it could be triggered uh, through unprivileged user namespaces, uh, that means then a, a local user can easily re- or relatively easily escalate privileges to root as a result. As well, there was a proof of concept on GitHub too, which then means obviously anyone can go and just use this. You don't need to be a kernel hacker or a, you know um, exploit developer or the like to actually uh, be able to weaponize this. You can just go and run the proof of concept yourself. So yeah, more important to fix that one, hence why that one was rolled in there, plus uh, 18 other fixes as well. So thanks as always to the kernel team for that. Uh, the other things there were various other similar vulnerabilities like race conditions and the like that could then allow local users to escalate privileges, like I said. But yeah, those ones didn't have public exploit exploits, so that's why yeah they've been rated medium priority instead of the high priority one that we talked about an update after that was done uh, for the kernel for our 204 long-term support users as well as that's the hardware enablement kernel for our 1804 long-term support users and that's uh, based on the 5.4 upstream kernel uh, in this case uh, various vulnerabilities in the ax25 amateur radio protocol implementation a local attacker in that case could possibly use that to crash the kernel or escalate privileges uh, you'd likely need custom hardware device to do that though uh, as well there's a race condition in the floppy driver leading to use after free uh, and a bunch of other volumes too Similarly, the kernel for our 18.04 long-term support users was updated. This is a 4.15-based kernel, and that is also used uh, in 16.04 extended security maintenance and 14.04 extended security maintenance uh, on various clouds and even devices. So things like uh, Raspberry Pi and Snapdragon, it's also used on those those devices for 18.04 long-term support. 
Uh, similarly, a heap of different volumes in there. Similarly, the 5.14 OEM kernel for our 2004 long-term support users was updated, as well as the 5.15 kernel for our 2204 long-term support users. So lots of kernel updates rolled into there. Thanks, as always, to the kernel team for those. Vim was updated. Uh, I seem to be talking about Vim nearly every week nowadays. I think I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. Definitely fast becoming one of the most updated packages, particularly for our 604 extended security maintenance uh, users. In this case, more bugs that were found via fuzzing. And I guess it shows what having a bug bounty can do uh, to shine a light on possible vulnerabilities. Or does it just attract uh, you know, shallow bug hunters or moths in this case <laughs> to find bugs? Hard to say for certain how much of a security impact these different vulnerabilities have. Uh, often you're having to you know, load crafted files and then uh, execute particular commands in Vim but yeah they have been fixed nonetheless in this case it was a out of bounds heat bright and a couple other heat buffer overflows all of these were classified as high by the bug bounty platform and it looks like they actually pay out about a $95 reward for each of these so it's not surprising I guess that we keep seeing more and more of these vulnerabilities being found you know if you can maybe spend uh, you know a few hours perhaps uh, setting up like a fuzz testing framework and then just leave it running and then for each of those you get yourself a $95 reward that sounds like some pretty good cash to me uh, after that was an update for HTTP daemon. This is a Perl library that implements a simple HTTP server. It's not often used in production itself. You know, normally you would actually be using Nginx or Apache as the actual uh, server, but it can often be used for testing or for local hosting, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, code hosting of say your own docs or something as a local developer. Uh, this was for all of our releases going all the way back to 1404 ESM, all the way through to 2404 long-term support. In this case, uh, it was a request smuggling vulnerability uh, that could be done through a crafted content length parameter uh, that would then essentially allow requests to go through and or be made that would otherwise be rejected. Uh, an update for Python. Uh, this is probably the oldest vulnerability that was patched this week. However, you know, it's a 2015 CVE here. This CVE was only assigned back in April this year, but yeah, being assigned a 2015 CVE made me go and look, you know, what was going on there. And it looks like the bug was actually first reported back in 2015. At that time, uh, there was disagreement between the reporter and the upstream developers as to whether it was a real vulnerability or not. Uh, this bug is in the handling of mailcap entries in Python. So mailcap is, I guess, a bit of an old uh, school way of associating essentially uh, programs with file types that can be run. So you have this mailcap file that then defines, say, I don't know, for a PDF, I'm going to run it by events or something like that uh, and uh, in this case the vulnerability was that you could get arbitrary command execution through that by having a crafted file name because then the mailcap handler would go and uh, essentially evaluate that file name as well as whatever program was meant to be executed as defined by the user and you know, the person defining the file name could then uh, specify what command would get executed uh, the developers kind of said, you know, we don't really think this is a real bug because obviously, you know, you can execute whatever you want through Mailcap anyway, but they said, no, this isn't how it was intended. And in the end, yes, you know, we got a CV or a CV was assigned for it and has now been fixed. Uh, in this case, uh, the fix was just to appropriately quote the arguments. So not a real, uh, you know, hard bug there, but interesting to see it took a while for that one to get a CVE and therefore get fixed uh, both in upstream Python and in, you know, downstream distros like Ubuntu. Uh, speaking of uh, one of the most updated packages where I was talking about Vim before, we have another one here, WebKit GTK. This one uh, does seem to get updated every few weeks, it seems almost. And I guess that's not surprising given that it is uh, an embodiment of the WebKit framework. Uh, so, you know, there is a lot of different vulnerabilities there. You know, I guess it's similar to packages that we see like Firefox, that see regular updates or Chromium. You know, all of these uh, web uh, browsers and web frameworks have lots of different vulnerabilities. They'd be complex code bases, often written in memory unsafe languages. And yeah, uh, you're processing a lot of untrusted content. So in this case, uh, it was vulnerability around, uh, again, handling of malicious crafted web content that could trigger a user after free and therefore possibly uh, remote code execution that was fixed. 
Uh, libtiff was updated as well. Again, uh, another memory unsafe language here implementing a library. This is for our extended security maintenance customers, so 4.04 and 6.04 extended security maintenance. Fixing seven different CVEs here, uh, including things like null pointer dereference and possible divide by zero. They could result in a uh, you know, crash and denial of service. Uh, various out-of-bounds reads that could, again, you, know, you could get basically an information leak through that because you'd be reading past the end of a buffer and maybe disclose the contents, but more likely you're going to step outside uh, the bounds of uh, mapped pages and therefore get a segfault and therefore crash and denial of service. So they were fixed for libtiff. Halfbuzz, uh, the font sort of rendering and processing library was updated. In this case, it was an intro to overflow that was discovered via the inbuilt fuzzer within Halfbuzz uh, being run uh, under UBSAN to detect memory corruption. Uh, in this case, it's a likely heat buffer overflow, again, leading to remote code execution or possible crash. Just a few more to go. Uh, PyJWT, this is a Python implementation of JSON web tokens. Uh, it supports using various crypto algorithms for signing and validating tokens, including SSH public keys and the like. Uh, but it turns out that an attacker could sign a JSON web token with the public half of an SSH key pair uh, as you know the key via a HMAC algorithm. Then uh, when it was validated, it would go and use that public key and you know appropriately validate it. And it would look like it actually, or it would look just the same as if it had been signed by the private key of the, the same SSH uh, public key pair as far as an application developer was concerned. Now, obviously, given that you know, a public key is public, anyone can use that. You know, this isn't uh, a great thing, so that was fixed. Basically, just to disallow the use of SSH public keys as inputs for uh, signing keys in those cases for those HMAC algorithms. Uh, CheckMK, the system monitoring uh, framework, uh, was updated as well. In this case, the web console had a bunch of different cross-site scripting vulnerabilities, uh, as well as the ability to read sensitive info from GUI crash reports that were fixed. And finally, the Apache XML security for Java library was updated for a single vulnerability. In this case, uh, this vulnerability that could be triggered through a crafted XPath transform, where an attacker could then read arbitrary local XML files as a result. Ooh, and that is it for the week in security updates. So as I did mention at the start of this episode, this week is the uh, 2210 mid-cycle product roadmap sprint here at Canonical. Now, what does that mean? Uh, basically, uh, all of the engineering teams at Canonical work on a six-month development cycle that is in line with the Ubuntu release cycle. You know, Traditionally, uh, Canonical made just Ubuntu, and obviously that made a lot of sense. Nowadays, we have lots of other products that do have their own uh, release cycles and release cadences, but all the teams do generally work on a six-month cycle uh, around that that does match the Ubuntu cycle. Uh, so then each month then, uh, cons- oh, sorry, each six month cycle consists of uh, three week long sprint sessions. Two of these are product roadmap sprints and one of them is an engineering sprint. And I'll talk about the differences in those in a bit. So basically the product roadmap sprints are where uh, managers and senior engineers get together and discuss uh, the roadmap for each cycle. You know, what things are planned to be done or what things are being done and what the progress is on those. We have one of these at the start of each cycle that reviews the previous six month cycle. You know, what went well, what didn't, uh, what was achieved, what wasn't, what needs to be carried over to the next cycle, that kind of thing, as well as setting uh, new goals for the next cycle. And then halfway along the cycle, at the three-month point, we have the mid-cycle product roadmap sprint where we review the current progress, uh, get together with other teams, can you have cross-team meetings and the like to discuss what's going on, you know, what might, uh, maybe there are blockers and they need to be unblocked and you have various uh, discussions around that. Plus just a chance, I guess, to see where each team is at and to kind of see where others can maybe lend a hand if needed and the like. 
Uh, so traditionally, these were in-person events, and so uh, everyone would get together and fly around the world and meet up together for a week. It was a lot of fun, actually. But with uh, the advent of COVID, that all stopped, and they all started being virtual sessions. Obviously, this has been, I guess, uh, you know, trying a number of different ways, but this year has seen the resumption of in-person sprints for the start of roadmap cycles and uh, the engineering sprints. However, these mid-cycle ones are still being done virtually, uh, which is kind of cool because it means you don't have to get jet lag, but you do you know, have to maybe stay up late or get up early depending on what the time zone of various meetings are and where you are in the world. Uh, so you know, it is kind of maybe like jet lag at home, but uh, anyway, I digress. So as far as the security team is concerned and this podcast is concerned, you know, we talked over various topics like, say, things like progress on FIP certification for 2204 long-term support. Uh, that is still in the works, as well as various app armor enhancements that are in the pipeline. Uh, we've got some different customer-specific work items that are being done, uh, as well as the general progress on maintenance tasks like CVE patching, the kind of stuff we talk about every week on this podcast. You know, where are we at with that? Are we kind of ahead or behind or that kind of thing? And uh, even things like our main inclusion review, security reviews and the like too. So yeah, lots of stuff going on, lots of things uh, being discussed there. Uh, the next roadmap sprint will actually be at the end of October. So we will review then obviously the progress on what has happened across uh, this uh, 2210 cycle, you know, what things went well, what we achieved, what we didn't, and then set the goals for the 2304 release cycle, which will be uh, obviously for March uh, next year, for April next year when that will happen. Uh, it will also be followed at that same time by an engineering sprint. So in that case, all of the different uh, engineers within the team will get together as, as well as our managers and uh, to meet and, you know, basically hang out and have a week-long uh, kind of hacking session where we have meetings and things to discuss uh, different topics you know um, if there's maybe I don't know say uh, a chance for learning uh, so we all work together on things like CVE triage so we'll all get together and discuss how that works and make sure we're all on the same page with that you know how do we handle when certain CVEs come in or when bugs get reported uh, make sure that we're all in alignment on that kind of thing plus maybe there's tooling that needs to be done so we'll all get together and hack on that uh, it's a really good week uh, and following that though will be the revival of the ubuntu summit or what was previously called the ubuntu developer summit uh, this was a chance and is a chance for folks from the community to get together alongside people from canonical and really have their input into the development of ubuntu as well so yeah that hasn't happened for a very long time will be really exciting to see that as well and yeah that'll be in uh, november later this year so exciting times ahead all right so that takes us to the end of this week's episode as usual if you want to get in contact with the team you can reach us at security we also hang out in the ubuntu security channel on libero.chat the irc network and finally we are on twitter too at ubuntu underscore sec as well so thanks everyone for listening again for another week i'll be back again with you all next week but until then remember keep calm because we've got your back and i'll speak to you soon bye